0: So number 48, as always, Andrew Fantuccio, Ben Mamoritas, and the man with the easiest name in the Zoom, Mr. Jason Snow. Before we talk at the NFL, we'll do week seven uh, wrap-up, or is it week six? I'm, I'm, weeks blur together for me at this point. I don't know. Week six, Anyways, I feel
1: you. I feel you, man.
0: We'll be doing week six wrap-up. We'll be talking a little bit about Baker Mayfield coming up on the show. But first, the World Series starts tonight. Tampa Bay Rays, Los Angeles Dodgers. Jason, you and I are enemies once again.
2: <laughs> hey, that that's nothing new. This is a recurring event.
0: <laughs> Bet, I think you might need to keep Jason and I, you know, at bay here. Just hold us back a little
1: yeah. bit. Yeah. Hey. Maybe. I might Hey, I'm actually going to I'm going to watch some of the World Series, so this is
0: Oh, you're going to turn on some baseball.
1: Yeah, this is this is usually the time of year I actually watch baseball when it's the World Series cuz usually good things Like it's, it's fun to watch for the most part.
0: All right. So I think there's an interesting theme in this world series and it's kind of a money ball thing. You know, the LA Dodgers gigantic payroll. I'm sure maybe the largest in the majors combined with Tampa Bay Rays, who has one of the smallest payrolls in the majors with very limited stars on the roster. um, They found great players at cheap prices Jason, what would ha- if the Rays do win this series? What will that do for the analytics movement and how will that affect the future of of the way baseball is played?
2: Yeah, it- like you said, Andrew, it's big spenders versus coupon cutters. It's it's a lot of people that you know look at baseball two different ways. Uh, but I think you'll see kind of a dip in some of those long term free agent deals. Look at them. Look around. Manny Machado's interesting, but is he really worth that money? Is he really worth all those years that the Padres gave him? Bryce Harper, same thing. They they garner a lot of attention because they're great players. But at the end of the day, you can make like <laughs> which is higher. Many Machado's salary this year or the raised payroll this year, including their manager. like it, It's night and day. So it, it'll be interesting to see how free agency is affected by this. But ultimately, um, we'll get into the picks later. But I think you could really make some noise if you, you know, go heavy in on scouting and analytics is, is going to play a big role into it.
0: But that's not a phenomenon that's lost in the L.A. Dodgers. They've spent heavily in their analytics department, in their scouting department. They are just as in tune with analytics as any team in baseball. Absolutely. But they combine it with a massive payroll and a massive you know, amount of stars. Guys like Mookie Best, Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, who were all – and Turner at once was an analytics darling. But I think if the Rays finally win a World Series and they really show what analytics can do, and they've done an amazing job building a Great bullpen, great uh, starting pitching rotation. It boomed after, you know, the Oakland A's first started doing it in the early 2000s. If it finally works and gets to a World Series, the game of baseball will change as we know it.
2: Yeah, and and free agency will be used kind of as the icing on the cake. You'll see a lot of teams, like, stick with their picks, like, all throughout, and, and, you know, maybe teams will be more often to want to get higher in the draft. I mean, who knows, but it should be noted that the Dodgers, they lost three legitimate starters. Um, Ryu, they lost him to the blue Jays. David price opted out and Ross stripling is also, is also gone, but they lost like good starting pitchers and they somehow find a way to get here that, that relies on a good bullpen. They got, you know, we said this earlier, Cody Bellinger's batting sixth. He won MVP last year. You, that that just speaks to the depth that you have in your lineup. So there's no surprise that they're here. They're the prohibited favorites, and probably should be. But I wouldn't count the uh, the Rays out because they're they reside in newfound uh, title town somehow. Wonder how that happened. Tom Brady effect.
1: Exactly. Tampa Bay. Ben, you should
0: write a scientific paper on this. The, uh, on, the on on the phenomenon of Tom Brady and that if he wherever he goes, he brings championships.
1: Yeah, Tom Brady's the common denominator.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: The Rays are a real team, though.
0: I think they could. No, they absolutely are. Who's the most important player for both teams in this series? Ben, I know you've done some intense research for this segment.
1: I have. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know if this was to prompt Ben's uh, advanced (laughs) research. This isn't really a hot take, but for the Dodgers, it's Clayton Kershaw. Can he continue to be great? Because everyone always says Clayton Kershaw is you know, is it fair to say he's the reason that they're winning and losing games or is it kind of different variables? Because with Clayton Kershaw, he has this kind of reputation of not performing well in October for whatever reason. So can he kind of get that monkey off of his back? I mean, he's been to the World Series a few times in the past few years. So like, can he finally get over the hump? I think he has the roster to do it. So I think as long as he's doing his job and, you know, pitching well, and like I said, Pitching, pitchers are like the quarterback of baseball. They, they're the most important position. All the blame is always going to fall on them no matter what. They have the most responsibility. So for the Dodgers, I'm circling Clayton Kershaw. How about the Rays? And I know you, uh, you love those Rays, huh? Absolutely. And let me tell you right now, I can name several players – as he glances down at his, his phone. As, as I... <laughs> uh, nonsense. At, at, my, at my notes. Oh, okay. Jason, <laughs> Staring up at your cranium up there. Yep, absolutely. Listen. All right. G-Man Choi, who I thought was a pitcher, is apparently a first baseman. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at Mike Ruzioni. Just kidding. Uh, Randy Arozarena. That's Jason's buddy. My guy. I have high hopes with him. <laughs> and Hunter Renfro. The Bo Jackson of today's world, who also plays for the Las Vegas Raiders. I know it's not the same person. This is, this is oh my gosh. for comedic effect. <laughs> <laughs> the fact you have. Oh my goodness!
3: No,
0: I like how two of your players contradict each other.
1: What? How?
0: <laughs> you say Clayton Kershaw for the Dodgers and then G Man Choi for the Rays. Problem is, G Man Choi l- hits left handed and can't hit lefties and Clayton Kershaw pitches left-handed. So those two will never have to face each other.
1: Fine. Check out the big brain on Andrew. I'm just saying. Like... Hey, <laughs> hey, be happy. Listen, you should be happy that I know at least a few names on here. I'll remember these names without looking them up one day. Willie and Adamas. You, you don't know these names. You can read these names. First of all. <laughs> I.A. Blake Snell came off the top of my That's head true. without even looking it up. Tip of the cap. Um,
2: I do have to, you know, shout out Charlie Morton because he's a guy that didn't get a lot of press. He, he pitched five and two thirds scoreless innings against the Astros in Game Seven. I thought, you know, that Astros team was really having their way with the Rays at least in Games four, five, and six. And then all of a sudden, Charlie Morton comes in and puts a stop to it. So, tip of the cap to uh, Charlie Morton, who is kind of a strikeout guy but really had a sinker going that sinker you know when it's lying at 93 miles an hour that's a tough one to hit to say the least and Randy Rosarena I do have to just came out of nowhere really seven postseason home runs one away from from tying Carlos Beltran for most home runs in a postseason by a rookie he's swinging a hot bat right now I'm telling you that right now and if you combine Nick Anderson who's really you know shut the door in a lot of these games Really, a strikeout threat out of the bullpen. I like Tampa Bay in this series. Um, just you know, one through twenty-six. I really do.
0: For me, the most important player in this series, and that goes for both teams, is Mookie Betts. Yeah, D- Dodgers signed into a giant contract again. What was it? Twelve years, like three hundred and forty-five million dollars. I know him. <laughs> <laughs> Good Ben. Good job. Good for Thank you, you, buddy. Good for you. But Mookie Betts. I mean, you get signed to that massive deal. To a deal of that size, I mean, you have to perform. And Milky Betts has a history of not performing in the playoffs. He had a bad run in the 2018 World Series with the Red Sox. He didn't play well in the NLCS, but the Dodgers are paying him close to $35 million a year. You know, you need a return on that investment, and that has to come in the biggest moments. And this is the World Series. And this might be the most important World Series the Dodgers will ever have. Yep. How, we, I've spoken a lot about the pressure that's on the L.A. Dodgers this year. After eight straight division titles, winning, getting to the World Series three times and losing, or twice and losing in it, it it's time to get the monkey on the, off the back for the Dodgers. And if they can't do it now against a team with a, that they just dwarf in terms of payroll, in terms of investment, in terms of popularity, I mean, it's going to be, I mean, Dave Roberts is going to be fired. Dave Roberts will be fired if the the, uh, LA Dodgers don't win the World Series this year. How much pressure? I mean, and even especially after the Lakers just won a championship, and I I know you know two different sports, but same market, they're vying for the same you know amount of attention uh, from fans. You know, we talk about that a lot with the Clippers, but the Dodgers. I think in terms of just competing from the market in LA, winning a title for after not getting there and just getting so close for two years in a row. This championship is incredibly important to this franchise. What do you think,
2: guys? 100%. And I, I'm not going to spend some time on this, but I'm going to push back on the Dave Roberts thing just because if the Dodgers need to switch things up, then 29 other teams do too. There, there, there's a much <laughs> worse world to live in than getting to the World Series three out of the last four years. There's a totally worse world. Ask Detroit. Ask the Angels right across the way. Ask them how life is. Um, anyway looking at the pressure there is a lot of pressure because they're prohibited favorites they honestly should win this series it in if they lose to it it kind of reminds me of the lakers and heat series i think you know the lakers are favorites they have arguably like five of the top eight players on their team yeah. and you just look at the miami heat team and they're like these guys don't quit they just play hard they don't really have a necess- – like, Jimmy Butler's a star, no question about it, but they don't really have, like, that landmark Mount Rushmore kind of guy. Neither do the Rays, and and the Rays aren't going to go away. They're going to get some solid contact, and their bullpen is, is going to be lights out, I think. So, if they just play hard, one, th- one to nine, they're going to present a real good challenge to a team that a lot of people are looking to win the series in six.
0: So, Jason, I agree with you that, like, yeah, getting to the World Series three out of four years, great accomplishment a lot of teams would love to be to be in that situation but the dodgers are built to win a championship and if you can't get over that hump after four tries something's got to change
2: yeah. you
0: know what i mean like look at, what, what what did we say about doc rivers great coach we know how good of a head to coach doc rivers is but if you can't get past the second round in the playoffs after seven years like you we've had enough chances you know, and you bring up yeah. teams like the Angels. You bring up teams like the Tigers. The Tigers are nowhere near as good as the Dodgers. Nowhere near as
2: good. I was just. I know. I know. I specific, but.
0: But I'm just saying, like, Dave Roberts has had his chances. Last year, getting bounced in the in the division series after kind of blowing the game to the to the uh, Nationals. Yep. That was a fireball offense to me. You know, I won't take. I won't get on him for the 2017 World Series because who knows what would happen if. Houston didn't cheat. Um, I just think it's three out of four years. If you can't get over that hump, you can't get over the hump. You, have, you only have so many chances. He's a good manager, but is he a manager that can get a team to a championship? He can get them to a championship series, but can he win a championship? I don't know.
2: Let's get into picks. Who we, who we got?
0: I'm going to ride with the Dodgers. I've been riding with them this all season. I've said that this they're the team to beat. I, I, there's no sense in me going back now. They had a great comeback against the, uh, the Rays in the NLCS. Yes, they played better in the ch- league championship series than the Rays did coming back instead of having to hold off a 3-0 comeback. Um, I just think from top to bottom, deeper team, um, they might not have the pitching, but they have the offense. Um, if they can get their bats going against this Rays starting rotation, I'm picking the Dodgers.
2: And how many games?
0: Ooh, Dodgers and six.
1: Ben? I like it. So I like both, I mean, on paper, the Dodgers are the better team, right? But I don't know, and this could be a bias against Tampa Bay, but I'm rolling with the Tampa Bay Rays here because I'm hoping for an underdog story and bringing that title to Tampa. I mean, hey, that we just talked about the Lakers winning the title, and... The Dodgers having that, the the Tampa Bay Lightning just won the Stanley Cup. So can the Rays also bring a title back to Tampa Bay? I don't know. I think it would be a lot more compelling to have the Tampa Bay Rays beat, you know, the, the big, bad Dodgers. It kind of reminds me of Rocky four. I'm getting real like nostalgic on y'all, but you know, Rocky four is like Rocky's the underdog and he's, you know, he has like no good equipment. He's, there's like a meat locker and he's he's like punching it because he has no equipment. And then you have Ivan Drago who's like in the gym with all these fancy toys and like, you know, lifting weights and stuff. It's like the Dodgers are Ivan Drago, right? And the Rays are Rocky. So I'm going with Rocky. I'm going with the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, I'll take the Rays
2: in seven. Um, because I... I think the I like the Dodgers like roster obviously a lot better. But if you look at I, I like the man, the Rays manager better. I like their closer better. I like Charlie Morton. I like Blake Snell. I got a lot of things that I like, and I like their defense. They're they're really versatile. And I I look around and I'm like, where's the weak spot? There's not necessarily like a a blinding star on their roster, but I just look around and they're like these guys are really well rounded. So I'll take the Rays in seven.
0: World Series game one two night eight o'clock. Tampa Bay Rays, L.A. Dodgers. Coming up next on the final call, we will get into week six NFL wrap-up. Team of the week, good noodle, dumpster fire, next. Back on the final call, Radio Massasoit. NFL week six wrap-up. We'll start with team of the week, Jason Snow. Who is it for you?
2: My team of the week, we were just talking about Tampa Bay. I have to give it to, to the Buccaneers. Um, yeah, Ben's got his hands up in the air like he's on a roller coaster. It's a great Ooh. sign. Yeah, I have to give it to the Bucs because early on, I was like, oh, man, Aaron Rodgers is really moving the ball. This this Packers team, they scored like the first, what, 10 points? And I was like, wow, this, you know, Green Bay's really tearing it up. Then all of a sudden, something happened. And, <laughs> and Devin White, Levante David, the corners really started moving. Pick six, what was it? Just one pick six, but two interceptions uh, by Aaron yeah. Rodgers cataclysmic run they scored 38 points unanswered Brady was effective but I really have to give my tip of the cap to the defense uh Devin White Levante David uh, and Dominick and Sue really made some noise they he made Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable post like uh, from the second quarter on it was night and day from that first quarter on but I have to you know give my credit to Tampa Bay bucks you, you saw their ceiling that's their ceiling right there
0: yeah, I agree with you 100%. They're my team of the week too, Jason. I'm going with the Bucks as well. And it's all because of the defense. I mean, Brady played well, but the defense is the driving force on the Tampa Bay Bucks team. That front seven is legitimate. Like we were saying for so long during the offseason, like we were concerned, can they cover? They just shut down the best, one of the best offenses in the NFL. Two interceptions. They don't really need to cover well because their pass rush is so good. Uh, the Bucs are a legit contender in the NFC now. They're probably going to that, win that division because the Saints have fallen off, I think. Uh, the Bucs are my team of the week.
1: We are all in agreement, three for Ooh. three. Tampa Bay Bucks are my team of the week, too. And you guys hit the nail right on the head. I mean, first of all, the, the, the stat that stuck out to me the most was no turnovers or penalties the entire game for the Tampa Bay Bucks. This is the That's a first for franchise history. That's never happened to have no turnovers and no penalties in a game. Also... Yeah. They held the highest scoring offense in the league to 10 points. And Aaron Rodgers had a pretty pedestrian day. Not great. I mean, coming into this game, it was he only had two career pick sixes, and then he just throws another one, and then another interception that got tipped, but still. And then, to your point, guys, the defense was just flying to the ball. They were flying all over the field. Levante David is probably my dark horse defensive player of the year candidate Um, Those corners can really play. They were covering them all the way down the field. They held them to under 200 yards on the game, the Packers offense. I got to shout out Todd Bowles, though, for being just an excellent D coordinator. I think he's being really good in these early weeks. But, yeah, the Tampa Bay Bucs have just impressed me. And just one more point, Jamal Williams, the second he said, my quarterback is too smart to forget what down it was, I knew it was game over because Uh Tom Brady hears that. (laughs) and what happened for the through the first three quarters he had pretty much a perfect passer rating so that's how it is but you know that's what happens now oh you don't know what down it is i know i know what the down is 38 to 10 packers are down (laughs) so yeah bucks are my team of the week not close shots over here
0: all right good noodle jason
2: my good noodle is someone that I've been very fond of throughout not only this season, but seasons past as well. And that's Deshaun Watson because just from afar coaching staff in in shambles, you lose your coach two weeks ago. What are we going to do? Seasons you're below 500. You go in into Tennessee where Buffalo was just knocked the doors out last week. And you bring that game to overtime and he didn't, he he didn't even get the ball in overtime. Imagine if he got the ball, like who knows what would have happened, but Deshaun Watson, I'm, Tennessee had more total yards, sacked the same amount of times, more first downs. On paper, that game shouldn't have really been all that close. But if you look at Deshaun Watson, 28 of 37, 335 yards in the air, four touchdowns. My God, this guy's an absolute baller. And I have to give him credit for even keeping that game close.
3: I'm a good Google! I'm a good Google!
2: Ben?
1: That's a really good one, but I'm going to go with the other side of that coin. And I'm going to say Derrick Henry. Good point. Listen, I'll say it right now, best running back in the league. He is the best running back in the league. He is the modern-day Jim Brown. He kind of reminds me of Earl Campbell as well, okay? Tell me if this is good, guys. Let me know if this is a good stat line. 22 carries, 212 rushing yards, two touchdowns, two receptions for 52 yards. That's 264 total yards. Is that good? Is that good? A little, Yeah. A little. Okay, dominant. <laughs> in, the, in the last uh, drive of the game in overtime – Tannehill flips it out for like a little dump off pass to Henry. He takes it 52 or 50 yards or whatever it was. And then in the red zone, they run the Wildcat formation, direct snap to Derrick Henry. And you know what that tells me? That tells me just put the ball in your best player's hands and get six. Just everyone get out of the way. Derrick Henry is bigger, stronger, faster than any other running back in the league. By the way, interesting stat right here. I got all kinds of fun stats for this one. Listen. First running back to have 200-yard games in three straight seasons, he hit 21.6 miles per hour on that 94-yard touchdown that he had. The only other players to hit that this season were Raheem Mostert, who is 205 pounds, and Michael Davis, the cornerback, who is 195 pounds. Derrick Henry's 260 pounds of man—he's built like a house—and he's <laughs> running. Up the field. That, you just saw the, the, the DBs trying to close in on him. They couldn't catch him. Like, how do you stop this guy? And he joins a group of players who have multiple 90-yard runs in their career, Lamar Miller, Amon Green, Bo Jackson, and Chris Johnson. This guy's a unicorn. He's unbelievable, best running back in the league, and quietly, not quietly, but look out for an MVP candidate down the road because he's playing like it.
3: I'm a good noodle. I'm a good noodle.
1: You know, Ben. I
0: I I'm gonna be greedy here because I I'm gonna have two good noodle awards. Oh. Um, one of them is Derrick Henry, and just for every reason you just said, and my what what can I say that you didn't already say about him right now? I'm just, my God, wow. Do you want to just go be a pro scout or something? (laughs) Dominant. I I think one thing that you that I can mention that you've uh, didn't Derek Henry average almost ten yards carry in that game against yep. Houston? he did. Like that's in, that's insane. Yep. that's insane. That's all you have to say. That, that that makes him a good noodle. My other good noodle, Brandon McManus, the kicker for the Denver Broncos, who was legitimately and literally the sole reason the Ooh. Broncos won that game. So I'm gonna show some kicker love, and Brandon McManus and Derek Henry are my good noodles of the week.
3: I'm a good noodle. I'm a good noodle. <laughs> all
0: right. Dumpster fire. Who wants to go first?
1: I'll, yeah, all right, I'll go. I, I had a hard time picking this one, but I got to go with the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, I know you're on the road against San Francisco, but, I mean, we talk about it every week. The San Francisco 49ers are just not... They're completely lacking depth. I mean, their whole team is injured. You go into candlestick, and you just cannot pull out a win. And, I mean... Goff was pretty pedestrian. He completed fifty percent of his passes, only one hundred ninety-eight yards. He had two touchdowns, but he also had a pick. Thirty-five point seven QBR. I mean, ugh. Against that defense, that's like, I mean, give give the Niners credit, but like, come on, you couldn't put more than what was it, sixteen points on the board. Come on, that's all you could do. It it just wasn't impressive to me. They just seemed like they could never find their footing. Daryl Henderson had. 88 yards rushing but like even that didn't seem like that seems like a high number i didn't think he was rushing for that much but like the the la offense just could not get it going the entire night and you know i got to give props to jimmy garoppolo for you know playing a good game on an injured ankle but i mean man like just if you go into that game with and on paper like the rams are just a much better team they have more healthy players and you basically get run out of the stadium and I was just so, I, I had the Rams p- pick to win this game and they completely stunk it up and they didn't show up. So I got to go with the Rams for that one.
2: Uh, that That's a good one. I respect it. I had a couple that I was looking at. Um, one was Minnesota losing big to, to Atlanta. And then I was like, well, Atlanta can really put up some points. I, you know, Atlanta was going to win someday. So, I mean, I'm not going to give it to them. I'm going to give it to, a, to an entire game, Denver versus New England. I'm just going to you know put my stamp on that entire <laughs> game. I'm going to give the Patriots a pass because you know that offensive line has never practiced before, never mind taking the field together. But if you look at that entire game, Cam had no juice. The, receiving, the passing game had no juice. Drew Locke, two terrible decisions at the end of the game. Yeah. Terrible. We're up by six with two minutes left and we could steal one at New England. Let's throw it deep into double coverage. What kind of decision is that <laughs> <laughs> you settle for all field goals. The coaching staff on Denver, you know, they had their linebackers all, you know, like suited up. But if you look at offense, oh my God, how many times was he going to pick on Stefan Gilmore? Oh my God. I hated it. I hated it. pretty much everything about that game. It was brutal. Cause I thought the Patriots were going to win big. Cause I was like, yeah, maybe they haven't practiced. Like maybe they, they don't have like the, that Friday practice. And maybe that's critical, but Belichick's going to find a way to win. And that never came to fruition. So I was really disgusted with what I, with what I saw. Um, you know, I have to give him credit for even taking the field with an offensive line, like I said, that has never practiced together. I'm not even sure if they know their own names. I don't know if they have each other's phone numbers. I don't know what the deal is, but it was a brutal game. Cam had no juice. It was ugh, dumpster fire of the week, that game entirely.
1: Well,
0: thank goodness Denver had a – they had Brandon McManus because they wouldn't have won without him. Thank goodness for him.
1: Brandon McManus.
0: My dumpster fire is Ezekiel Elliott. Okay. 12 carries for 49 yards, two costly fumbles. I mean, that helped really give the Arizona Cardinals momentum uh, in last night's game on Monday Night Football. You know, you know, without Dak, the offense now rides on Ezekiel Elliott. The Cowboys' defense is terrible. The season is almost, it's pretty much in the toilet at this point now. They needed him to step up and play well. He's supposed to be the bell cow. He's supposed to be the back that's going to carry this team. Like how long have we said though? you know, why aren't they handing it to Zeke? Why isn't he carrying this team? I don't know. I just, he didn't show his capable of it last night. He's my dumpster fire of the week. Coming up next, we'll get into someone who's kind of a hot button. A lot of debate can happen here. Jason, your favorite team, uh, Baker Mayfield, Cleveland Browns. Is it finally time to throw in the towel on Baker? Our thoughts next here on the final call. Back on the final call. I think it's time we have it's time for this tongue conversation. After a pretty abysmal performance from Baker Mayfield on Sunday, it's time to talk about whether he was really worth the first round pick. A first overall pick. Jason, you've been pretty hard on the Cleveland Browns in general. Is Baker Mayfield holding the Cleveland Browns back?
2: Yes, he is. Because if, if if they had like a Carson Wentz, if they and we'll get you know, we'll name the QB's later, but if we if they had a better QB, they would easily be in the Super Bowl bubble, I think. That that tier of teams. But they're not because they they're limited at that position. And I think I know where this segment is going. But I'm just going to, you know, lay the framework down here is that this is being stemmed by their blowout loss last week against against Pittsburgh, which they had no chance of winning from the jump. That defense is really good at Pittsburgh. Yeah, that that, that one was a game to stay away from if you're a Browns fan. But and that's the only way I'll defend Baker on this is that they weren't going to win that game anyway. So and, and sure, it was ugly and the pick sticks are ugly and it was just a mess. But the Browns never beat Pittsburgh. That, that's nothing new. So I'm, not, I'm just going to defend Baker on that front. But from, from a big picture level, I think you know, he's the one holding them back from really being contenders.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And they're winning in spite of him. Like, yes, you look at those games that they won. They were 4-1 and one coming into that game against Pittsburgh. The run game was why they were winning. They were running all over the place. Against Dallas, they had over 300 rushing yards. Like, that's not Baker it's it's mostly a run centric offense you know with Nick Chubb who's out with injury right now they still like to run those sweeps with the the fast wide receivers like Landry and Odell so this is this is not Baker's offense like i think the coaching staff knows it and speaking of coaching staff how many head coaches and front office changes has Baker gone through there's one common denominator with all this and it's Baker Mayfield i'm sorry but you have all these new coaching turnovers and you're still in the same spot you were before with all these weapons, and you're still you're still in the same place as before. I I don't see them. They're not going to get close to winning this division. They're going to probably finish third in the division because the Bengals still haven't figured it out yet. But I mean, it's because of Baker. I mean, Baker at this point, this is his third year in the league. He should he should be making waves right now. And there are other quarterbacks who haven't been in the league as long as he have who have taken, in my opinion, much bigger steps. So something's got to be. Said with this, and you know, the Browns really got to take a step back and evaluate this for themselves.
0: I mean, he's definitely holding them back. You know, I mean, but the weapons on this offense—Austin Hooper, Odell, Jarvis Landry, you know, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt—they bolster the offensive line. I mean, they really should be doing better than they are. Yep. But it's also not Baker Mayfield's fault. He's holding them back, but. He has no control over that. And I, I know that sounds a little contradictory, but here's what I'm saying. Ben, you brought up the coaching staffs. Baker Mayfield has played under three different head coaches in his career.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: How can he get comfortable in any sort of style of offense if it keeps changing year after year? First head coach he's drafted under, Hugh Jackson. Maybe the worst head coach in the history of the NFL.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, Freddie Kitchens was an absolute dumpster fire. I mean, dumpster fire of the year award last year, if you <laughs> ask me. And now he's under Kevin Stefanski, who kind of has to rebuild Baker Mayfield's confidence from the ground up, who has to go in there and say, Baker, you know, we know you have a ton of confidence in your game. But you've got to sort of rely on the running game right now because you're not at that level. You've been bolstered up. You've been put a little too high. You need to come back down to earth a little bit. And that's where I know you guys put say he's in way too many commercials. Yep. For someone who for someone who doesn't win enough, I mean, I don't really think the commercials matter, but it's the confidence you see in there, the ego. Baker Mayfield's got a big ego, huge, and I think that comes with getting drafted first overall, being told he's going to be the guy that's going to cl- that's going to save the city of Cleveland. But when you have been given so many roadblocks in front of you before that, I don't think it's really fair to him. He hasn't had the chance to learn and to get comfortable in a system, and that's what happens with all with all good quarterbacks. They get comfortable in a system, and that doesn't mean they're a system quarterback because that's what the offense and the office coordinator is supposed to do is design an offense around him. The Browns still don't know what they're doing around Baker Mayfield. They're just starting to figure it out, and maybe because who cares? He's not throwing for 300 yards a game and four touchdowns. He doesn't have to do that, but he hasn't gotten the Browns to that next level because he hasn't been given the chance to because every time he gets close, he gets snapped snap back because there's a new head coaching change, or there's Odell's having an issue with his with the coaching staff. I think Baker Mayfield's had a ton of just distractions in that locker room, and that's because Cleveland is, you know, Jason, like as Jason likes to say, just a terrible place to play.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I see where you're coming from, but I could also say, yes, he has had these roadblocks in front of him, but, like, you look at that roster, man. That's a stacked roster. Like you just said, the O-line is is pretty good. You have a great run game, you have wide receivers who are, you know, potential pro bowlers, all pro type guys, and you just you still can't win games. And now, like I know they played against Steelers and that buzzsaw defense, which I totally get. I mean, that's that's hard to go into Pittsburgh and win. But like I'm talking about his whole career, like his decision making is just all over the place. Like, instead of throwing the ball out of bounds, he tries to force it. He tries to force balls downfield to his mm-hmm. talented receivers. He puts a little too much faith in his receivers, even when they're double covered. Like, I know you have good receivers, but like, like especially that, that interception, not the pick six to Minkovic Fitzpatrick, which was, you know, pretty bad. But I'm looking at the other one that he threw where he was throwing off his back foot. He's throwing off his back foot He's not trying to get the ball out of bounds. He's trying to force it into double, triple coverage. W- what are we doing? Why are you trying to do that? He's trying to put everything on his back. Cause like you said, Andrew, he has the ego. He has the confidence to like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, bring him home myself. I'm going to do this myself. And he's trying to force balls into tight windows. And it's just, it's, you can't force balls into tight windows when there's no window, plain and simple. And he's just trying to do that. And, I just – I don't see any progress with that at all. And, you know, at this point, year three, he should be – he should be starting to figure that out by now.
0: But how can he do that when every coach he's had has either been awful – well, every coach he's had has been awful in his first two years. I mean, Kevin Stefanski, I think, is not a step in the right direction. But I don't think Kevin Stefanski's – he's no Bill Belichick.
1: No, but I mean to – You know
0: what I mean? But the, I, the I, some,
1: throwing off the back foot, forcing balls, thats that's – Every coach with That's a brain development. Says, don't do that.
0: That's development, though. And I've, I think Baker Mayfield hasn't been developed correctly. He really hasn't. Just I just, come on, man. I mean, the Browns, I don't know. I just I, I can't look at the history of head coaches, the roster turnover, the sort of like, I, I also think the Browns got too big too fast, right? They go from 0-16 and they add Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. They add all these offensive weapons around them, right? And then it becomes Browns are winning the division next year. Browns are going to make the Super Bowl next year. That from like the really like, out there people.
2: Mm-hmm. The Browns got too big, too fast. And, and who, do they, who do they have to think for that? The fans, the beloved city of Cleveland, the dumpster fire, the the epicenter of dumpster fires. Oh my gosh, the Here trash go. can of the NFL, the trash can of America. I'll tell you multiple times, and I'll say this on the air: if I had a pair of scissors and could cut a place off the United States map, it'd be Ohio. It, it but, but I mean. Don't even bring up the Indians. I'm, I don't want to hear it. But uh, I was, um, was going
0: to say Florida. Like, how's that not your first pick? But I mean, okay.
2: But I'm going to back Ben on this. You can't throw a ball to a window that's closed. <laughs> and I don't care what. If you draft a quarterback number one, you're gonna. You should get a Joe Burrow. You should get a guy like a Patrick Mahomes. You shouldn't get the second coming of Mitch Trubisky. Let's let's just say. Whoa, whoa should, I think
0: that I think that's a bit. That's a bit strong.
2: I don't think so a little but the expectation when there were other quarterbacks available sam darnold good god can somebody save that kid lamar jackson i wasn't totally sold on lamar but look how well he's flourishing josh allen mvp candidate maybe the first 3 weeks of the season who knows but and i will admit the last two guys i mentioned have stable organizations and that definitely helps in their development but when you draft a quarterback number 1 yep you should be getting a guy that Three years in you you shouldn't go, we're better off with you running it than throwing it you you should be you should be getting a guy that you trust, a guy that should be in contention in the division. I think they are, and I picked him to make the playoffs, and you guys thought I was a loon, but you should be getting a guy that's not the case Keenum prototype. If you're drafting number one and you choose a quarterback, you should be getting a Joe burrow. You should be getting. A Kyler Murray. You should be getting an explosive guy. That's
1: exactly. just me. I agree.
0: I mean, if we want to go back to that draft, I wouldn't have. I would not have drafted Baker Mayfield first overall. I would have. Back at that time, I would said Sam Darnold. You You take Sam Darnold. I mean, yeah. if we if we really want to rewrite history and go back and like, who would we pick now? Considering you take Lamar Jackson first overall,
2: hundred well, percent. It's yeah. not
0: even. A, it's not even a question, right? But you know. I really think it's about development. Look at Lamar, and we'll take Lamar, we'll take Mayfield. We'll take all four, those four guys, because forget Josh Rosen. Let's look at Mayfield, let's look at Darnold. Both in unstable organizations, both with terrible head coaches, both with guys with teams and organizations that have just been absolutely dragged them through the coals and stunted their development and growth. They should be further along than they are. They should be, right? But I don't fault them for that because of the coaching development. I think my my take really is – we need to put more onus and more responsibility on the coaches and the coaching staffs and franchises who are tasked with developing these young quarterbacks. Look what's happened in Baltimore. Look what's happened in Buffalo. No one would have taken Buff- uh, Lamar or Josh Rosen first in the top two or as the top two quarterbacks off that board. But they're in stable organizations with good head coaches and healthy environments and they make incredible steps. Look at Josh, uh, Josh uh, Allen's decision making it's it's light years ahead of where he was last year lamar jackson has made incredible steps since he's coming into the league as not only as a quarterback but as a passer yeah and this is a good this is a, a positive take for me on lamar jackson i just really think it's about more about the coaching and the development of the quarterback than their ability right now
2: that's a good point but he's got the coach now. Look at look at the Vikings without Kevin Stefanski as the offensive coordinator. They're been, they're in arguments for our dumpster fire of the week. Look at Kirk Cousins, he's fell off a cliff. He was in the Pro Bowl last year. He's has got the coach now. And they're 4 and 2 and it's impressive, but they have to beat these quality teams like a Pittsburgh. They beat Dallas which, you know, we saw last night is unraveling as we speak. But they they have to be in the conversation as Baltimore. They have to be in the conversation. He's got the coach. No more excuses. No more. It comes down to organizational strength, which they certainly don't have. He's got the coach. Every quarterback in that draft, Andrew, like you mentioned, has something to cling on to except Sam Darnold. Baker's got the receivers. Now he's got the coach. Yes, thank you. Josh Allen's got the defense, the coach, pretty much everything. (laughs) And so does Lamar. Lamar had 12 pro bowlers last year on his team. Sam Darnold has nothing, and somehow we, we think Sam's got some promise still. If we put Baker on the Jets, which I'm not a, favorite, which I'm not a huge fan of the what-if thing, but if we do that, they got to go after Trevor Lawrence. What are they thinking? Now exactly. it's, there's at least a question with Sam Darnold, and that leads me to maybe the, the main point of this is, Ben, I know you have a list of quarterbacks that maybe you'd rather have, and I just name the quarterback and, and, and we'll go through it,
1: but if you were to plug in another quarterback, Cleveland would, would be better today, no question. All right, so I do have a list of some quarterbacks here. If you guys think of any other ones, feel free to shout them out, but I got a list right here. Let's start off. Kyler Murray? They're better today. Andrew? Yeah. Much better. Okay. Dak Prescott? Yep. They're, they're better today. Yep. All in agreement there. Joe Burrow? No. Same thing. They're better today. I think they're better too. No. What, what, what don't you see from Joe Burrow, Andrew?
0: But he's got the ability. Again, it's just the youth. That's that's all. That's I'm I, I'm not ready to just say like, I mean, how, how much further along the development re- in the development uh, category is Joe Burrow than Baker Mayfield? I'm not ready to say that yet. And that's just from yeah. a lack of evidence it. in the youth.
1: That's all. I get it. Yeah, for me, it was more like, you give Joe Burrow, Odell Beckham Jr., that old line, Jar- Jarvis Landry. <sighs> I mean, I think you'll see huge steps there. But all right, moving on, Jared Goff. Yes. Much yep. better. Carson Wentz.
0: Yep. I mean, he's not playing well this year, but yes.
1: I think so, too. I think yes. All right. Jimmy Garoppolo.
2: Now, that's the interesting one. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to say yes, but it's not, I'm not totally sold.
1: I'm going to say yes.
0: I'm, I'm on the fence. Wow. Gut instinct, No. And that's just like just a gut feeling. No.
1: All right. So, so you guys are kind of on the fence. Why? Because for me, I look at the Niners, right? Mm-hmm. Kind
0: of similar offensive philosophy to the Browns right now. Run the ball first. Went on defense. I'm not sure plugging in Jimmy Garoppolo really changes all that much in Cleveland.
2: Okay. Jason. I'm on the same. I'm on the same thing. Echo.
1: All right, yeah, so that's not as obvious. Josh Allen. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. Ryan Fitzpatrick. No. No. <laughs> I had to throw that one in there. <laughs> Philip Rivers. No. No. Philip Rivers sucks. Can I throw one in, Ben? We got a minute Absolutely.
2: left. Absolutely.
1: Sam Darnold. Good one. Honestly, I think, I think he does better than in, the, in New York. I think he does better in, than Baker's doing right now. I'm gonna say yes, but it's not like night and day. It's they're slightly better. with Oh State. yeah, no, definitely. It's not like a emphatic yes, but I th- I think he would be a little better.
0: I think Sam Darnold is just as developed, you know, underdeveloped as Baker Mayfield is, and they both their growth has been stunted so much that I really don't think it would make much of a difference.
1: That's fair. How
0: All about right. Teddy Bridgewater?
1: Good one. Teddy You're gonna think plus. I'm crazy on this one, but I'll take Baker. Yeah, really? I-
0: I'm taking Baker as well.
2: Why? I mean, Teddy's good, don't get me wrong, but I feel like they both are in the same category as they need an all star cast around them to really be. I mean, they. Cleveland has that, no? And and the Browns are successful, but I'm just saying, well, Teddy did beat Atlanta with with Mike Davis and not Christian McCaffrey, but I'm just saying, like, I would have more confidence in Teddy if he were to have, like, that Saints stability, that that Panthers thing. I, I
1: don't know. That just, that might be me, but I don't see a huge drop off between the two for me it's more like you throw Teddy Bridgewater with those weapons I mean we saw what he did with the Saints I know that's the Saints stable organization but he went undefeated with them you know you throw him in an offense that's you don't have to throw it all the time you know run it you know get the play action going I think Teddy two gloves could really help you out
0: Kirk Cousins
1: good one no yeah no (laughs) No. that's that's one of the ones that I don't I don't think he would but I got two more after this. Yes, I know. I know we're
0: up against it, but I want to throw out two more. Absolutely, Nick Foles.
1: Yes, yes. No,
0: really? No. I think Nick Foles. He's a, a like true unicorn type of quarterback where he only really performs when he's down. You know what I mean? Like I don't think he's a guy who can come in and be a leader of of, of men f- off the bat. Like look what happened in Jacksonville. He's not there anymore. They went with Gardner Minshew. I think I think Baker. I think Nick Foles is just—it's a weird sort of thing where he's he's just better as a backup. I don't know. Like it's it's just weird with him. I don't know. I don't get it. But that's just how what I see.
2: Jason. Once again, I'm just coin flipping on these last ones because like it's not really like whence I could say an adamant yes, but like Bridgewater, Darnold, maybe even Jimmy G and, and Foles. I'm just like, man. Eh, I mean, they're interchangeable pretty much. I mean,
0: all right. Last one before we wrap. Matt Stafford.
1: Yes. 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 Absolutely. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. All
0: right. Absolutely, and that's about all the time we have for the final call this week. As always, you can check us out on our podcast page wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're interested in doing some reading, make sure you check out New England Sports United, written by Jason Snow.
2: A great publication.
0: And scoreboardtimes.com. <laughs> if you like, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Final Call MCC. For Ben Memorias, for Jason Snow, this has been the final call on Radio Massasoit.
3: There must be some kind of way out of here. Say that joke to the that- come